Today is Kingdom Builders Miracle Offering Sunday. I'm excited about this moment. What is Kingdom Builders? Kingdom Builders is a group of generous givers who give above and beyond the Lord's tithe to a missions mutual fund to projects that build the kingdom of God. That's it. And today, at the end of the service, we're going to give towards that. So projects here in San Antonio and all over the world can hear the good news of Jesus so we can build his church and advance his kingdom. Our goal this year in 2022 is to give $750,000 towards kingdom builders. Right now, we're right at 63%. But will you believe with me in faith that we can do beyond that? How many of you guys know that God can add his super to our natural and we can see a miracle for the kingdom of God and for his glory? Amen. I'm excited that all of this is happening on a special weekend. This is Veterans Day weekend. And so I want to share with you a story that happened about 15 years ago. First Sergeant Charles King uh, re-upped. He had already spent 20 years serving in, the, in our country's military. And when there was an opportunity to serve, he answered the call. His wife was pregnant with their first child when he boarded a plane to the Middle East. He boarded that plane for two reasons. Number one, to lead young soldiers into battle. And second, to prepare life for his, his son without him. And so it was during his time of, of serving that his son was born and the military gave him one week's uh, leave to go visit his wife and his son. And it was there he got to meet his son, Jordan. And he started a journal. And he would write in his journal how his son would, uh, would become a man. He included an exercise program. He instructed him how to treat women. And in the very last sentence of this journal, he writes, This is everything I could think of to teach you to be a man if I don't make it home. It's on October 14, 2006, that King was on an, a convoy on his way to Baghdad when a roadside bomb took all of their lives. King paid a great sacrifice for his family and for our country. And today we remember his sacrifice. And we recognize many of you veterans from different branches of military. You knew what was at risk when you signed, when you joined. And we thank you for your service. We honor you for your love because, uh, because of that we're able to have the freedom to worship the Lord, right? We live in the greatest country in the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus said there's no greater love than this, than he who would lay down his life for his friends. The gospel is simply this, that Jesus would die on the cross, that he would be the sacrifice for you and I, that we could experience salvation and forgiveness of sins. That's what a sacrifice is. And so it's in light of this mystery that Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to the church in Rome. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the New Testament, to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We read in the book of Acts the story of the church, the early church. After Jesus rose from the dead, he commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples of others, to proclaim the good news. And so with great boldness, 
they spread the good news of Jesus, that he rose from the dead. And we know on the day of Pentecost that 3,000 people surrendered their lives to Jesus and, and became part of that first church, that early church. And then we read a couple of chapters later in the book of Acts that when Peter and John were on the way to the temple at the beautiful gate, there was a man who couldn't walk and they healed him in the name of Jesus. It was a great miracle. Everybody heard about it. And the church grew from 3,000 to 5,000 people. And it just continued to spread, not only around Jerusalem, but over all the Greco-Roman Empire. And people heard of the good news of Jesus. And even under great persecution and great trials, the more persecution, the more good news of Jesus spread. And so by the year 200, we know that there were 217,000 Christians. And by the early 4th century, there were now close to, to 6 million Christians. It had grow, Christianity was growing at a rate of 40% every decade. And by the year of Constantine's rule and reign, 10% of the entire Roman Empire professed to be followers of Jesus. It spread because of persecution, but it also spread because under great hardship and trials, Christians refused to just be hearers of the word, but they were doers of the word. Paul would write to the church in Rome, in Romans 12, 1 through 2, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he's saying, hey, in light of God's mercy for you, you've experienced salvation because Jesus was the sacrifice for your sins. You too should be that living sacrifice. You should demonstrate that life of love and sacrificial living to other people. He says, don't conform to the cultures of the world that would breed fear and a scarcity mindset, doubt, cause you to isolate yourself, but rather be renewed in your mind. Think of Jesus. His character is your character. And then in a very practical way, he describes in verses 11 and 13 what a lifestyle of a living sacrifice looks like. Let's read together. He says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So what does a living sacrifice look like? It says be passionate about your service in the Lord. It says be prayerful. And when you experience hard times, don't shrink back. Don't quit. Show some grit. Endure. And he says contribute to the saints. In other words, be generous and show hospitality. And so the church in Rome did just that. I imagine that they clung to this letter that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. How many of you agree that the Holy Spirit inspires the word of God, that it's active that it's meant for application and practical living, not just for the church of Rome, but this letter was spread to all the churches, including us, right? So 
We know history tells us that in the year 251, it was the start of a 15-year pandemic. It was serious. Mortality was high in many of the rural areas as well as the city areas. At its height, 5,000 people died daily in the city of Rome. And it was during this most difficult time that the Christians would offer the light of Jesus through their compassion, hospitality, love, and generosity. So one of the early church fathers, Cyprian, a bishop of Carthage, wrote in 251 A.D., Many of us are dying in this mortality. That is, many of us are being freed from the world. How suitable, how necessary it is that this plague and pestilence searches out the justice of each and every one. Although this mortality had contributed nothing else, it has especially accomplished this for Christians and servants of God, that we have begun gladly to seek martyrdom while we are learning not to fear death. And it was these early Christians that were a living sacrifice that became a light to the world and an example to other new Christians who would follow their model. And over the next 15 years, the church did not shrink back, but grew because of their generosity, their love, and their sacrifice. By AD 260, near the end of this pandemic, another church pastor named Dionysus wrote in a letter around Easter time contrasting the way pagan people and other faith traditions were contrasted in the response to this pandemic with Christians. He writes, at the very first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away. The heathen fled from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treated unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread and contagion of the fatal disease. But do what they might, they found it difficult to escape. Now he writes about the behavior, the actions of the Christians who would not just tell the good news with their lips, but they would show it with their hands. He writes, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The best of our brothers lost their lives in this manner. A number of presbyters, deacons, and laymen winning high commendations so that death in this form, the result of great piety and strong faith, seems in every way the equal of martyrdom. Christians who lay down their life for others. Sacrificial. And because of their actions, because of these moments, the Christianity, the message of the Christians, the good news of the gospel would spread across all of the Greco-Roman cities. In cities that were filled with homeless, impoverished, and strangers, Christians would serve as a place they could call home. Cities that were filled with now new orphans and widows, Christians would become their family. 
cities that were torn and filled with violent ethnic strife. It was the Christians that showed the mark of Christ through their unified actions in spirit. Cities filled with starving and dying and fires. It was Christians who would provide nursing services and great acts of compassion and generosity that earned the right to spread and speak the good news of Jesus. Imagine that those early Christians in that early church would cling to the letter of Paul, but they would also remember the words of Jesus, who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Who said, don't lay up treasures on earth where moths and rust and thieves will break in to destroy, but, but rather lay up treasures in heaven. The actions and their generosity, they were investing in a spiritual kingdom and people were being saved and lives were being made disciples and churches were being planted during the worst of times. In our world, it would be easy to conform to the culture around us. And we live in a very consumer-centric society. And whenever there is great pressure or trials like the pandemic that we went through a couple of years ago, it is tempting to shrink back, to isolate ourselves. And even now, with great macro geopolitical circumstances and with inflation high and markets down, it's tempting to hoard. It's tempting to save. But it's during these times that we must look for opportunity and need. And just like the church of old, we must look for opportunities to give to spread the good news of the gospel. Amen? When we started our church, uh, we were just a small group in a rent house in Holotus. And we were making friends with people in our community. And around Christmas time, this was about 15 years ago, we we're going to have this white elephant gift exchange and exchange gifts. But we, we met this one family that lived in Gray Forest and uh, learned that they couldn't even pay their utilities. So we invited this family into our home. And instead of buying gifts, our small group, instead of buying gifts and exchanging them for each other, we decided to give it to this family in need. And it was at that moment something happened in our church. It was We were a small group at the time. But generosity began to get into our DNA is because we seized this one very little, small moment. Five months later, we had a, our very first worship service at Bob Beard Elementary School. And just over $6,500 came in in the offering. And our leaders prayed, Tom, you were there, right? And we prayed about what we would do with this offering. And we felt like this was a very spiritual moment. This was our first offering. And and we had bills to pay, and no one took a salary, but we just felt like God gave us a burden that we would one day be a church that would start other churches. So by faith, we knew of an opportunity to start a brand new church of a group of people who were living on the island of Zanzibar off the coast of Tanzania and Africa. And so we gave that entire offering to see a new church built. It was a very simple church with... Uh, cement blocks, but it was a church nonetheless that they could assemble on an island that was about 98% Muslim. And so I was able to go and meet the pastor and visit, and I came back with a burden. Something got into our hearts, and I, I, so the, the, I believed in the mission's heart of God. I remember going, is it fair that many of us here in San Antonio he can hear the gospel so easily, but and there's places in the world that have not yet heard that we must go, we must sin, we must give. 
And so it was a, a few years later that we took up one of our very first Kingdom Builder offerings. $15,000 came in to see the Bible translated in the, into the Swahili language. And so I made my way back to Zanzibar, to this island for a second time. And it is one of my great life's privilege to hand this Bible to that pastor in a church that had no AC, had no heat. Not that they needed heat in Africa, but, but I remember handing that fire Bible to that pastor and I saw him cry, and I saw him dance and cheer, and the entire church cheer over having a book of library and notes that he would be equipped to make disciples and proclaim the good news on this island. Something got into my heart, and we weren't the same. But we learned that the more that we gave away, the more God blessed us. And it was a year, years later that we identified this land that would be a good place to put a permanent stake in the ground. And some of you know the story that after 14 prayer walks, the Green family heard about our story as a church that was meeting in a movie theater and, and bought this land that was valued at $2 million. And they bought it and just gave it to us, no strings attached. It was a miracle for us. And we praise God that we've been blessed. But God blessed us so that we could be a blessing to others. God provided a miracle so we could, we could see miracles happening for other people. And the more that we took steps of faith in sending and giving money to start churches and sending out volunteers and sending out small group leaders, God continued to bless us over and over again. Over the last eight years, we have been entrusted with over $11 million in land and assets and buildings that we did not buy, but was given to us for the glory of God to start churches. And these are miracles that we've seen that's only excited us. It's only increased our faith. Because wherever there is opportunity, we want to give. Wherever there is need, we must give. A few months ago when the hurricane hit, the island of Puerto Rico and in Florida, this was our opportunity. We weren't planning on, on having this Kingdom Builders project, but because of your faithfulness and giving of the Lord's tithe, our leadership said, hey, we can, when we heard that, that this was a need, we said, hey, we're going to give out of our general fund $15,000. Then we thought, well, we could maybe do more. So on the last minute's notice, we, we decided to present this opportunity to you to give towards Kingdom Builders. And on that Sunday, you gave $12,750 more. Two days later, a couple in our church wrote a check for $15,000 to Kingdom Builders. Praise God. And we have seen this happen over and over again. And from the new Testament church until today, God's people give when it doesn't make sense. When we take care of what's on God's heart, he takes care of what's on our hearts. When it doesn't make sense and we're tempted to hoard and save, if we will trust God by faith to give and everybody do their part, we're going to continue to see God's kingdom build and advance for the glory of God. We're going to see more people saved, more people discipled, more churches built here in San Antonio, but really all over the world. We're seeing it happen in Africa. We're seeing it happen here in San Antonio. And now we have an opportunity to see it happen in Mexico. We've been entrusted with property, and we have taken over 
20 mission trips. We've been put, put boots on the ground. In fact, later this month, my family is going to go for the first time on a mission trip to Oaxaca to pray, to meet people, to see and experience what God is doing there. But we have a great opportunity in front of us. Again, our goal is $750,000 for Kingdom Builders. We want to finish strong this year. I believe we're going to go above and beyond. But right now, the, the balance to meet our goal is $280,000. But I believe what God is doing in Mexico. And it's, there's great need there. In that Yucatan Peninsula, there's over 15 unreached people groups. They do not have the means right now of evangelizing themselves. So we must go. We must give. We must pray. Let's watch together the story unfold of this opportunity for GFC in Oaxaca. 